It's good to see you. If you would uh, take your Bibles and open up to the book of First John. We have been, as a church, if you're a guest with us, we have been going through and will be going through for quite a while the book of Ephesians. But today, um, we have a, a special treat uh, where a pastor friend of mine is uh, preaching for us today from uh, 1 John. Um, it's actually going to be all over the place, uh, but let's just go there for now, okay? 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And while you're turning there, if you do not own a Bible, we should have one for you that you can use on a row near you. Um, and if you don't own one, we would love uh, for you to take that home with you as our gift to you. Today, uh, Pastor Kenny Stokes is a pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is preaching for us today. And in 2001, my wife and I moved to Minnesota. This was pre-children. And we landed in Minnesota, and I was assigned a mentor. It was an, a pastor training program there where I would get some more education, and the mentor I was assigned was Pastor Kenny Stokes. And there was a lot that you should have been praying for for him and putting up with me, but he cared for me so well, and his wife, Kathy, uh, cared for my wife, Dana, and they are here today. Uh, to serve us with the word. And uh, Pastor Kenny was not just a mentor to help me, which my our original aim was to understand urban ministry in the inner city a little bit better, but he showed me Jesus. He showed me what a, a life looked like that was submitted to Christ and to take joys and pains and struggles, what it looked like to lead. And he is a precious gift to me, not just as a mentor over these years, but as a friend. And so Pastor Kenny has continued to be this friend to me over the years, and today we get the privilege of hearing uh, from him as he tells us about the glory of God in listening. I also want you to know that Pastor Kenny is also um, on the lead team with me of the Treasuring Christ Together Church Planting Network. And we have just brought on two deacons, uh, Matthew and Melanie Moore, uh, that are helping us with the TCT stuff and keeping church planting in front of us. But um, Pastor Kenny and I serve there with several others to seek to care for uh, many churches that are all over uh, this nation and around the world as we seek to be a church that plants churches. So uh, thankful to God for Kenny. He has had many titles at Bethlehem Baptist Church. When I was there, he was urban uh, ministry, pastor of urban ministry. He's also been the lead downtown campus pastor. He's also now the pastor for church planting. And so uh, Pastor Kenny, if you'd come on up, brother, and uh, thank you so much for giving us the word today. Yeah. Well, it's good to be here with you, and uh, no, greeting, greetings from Bethlehem Baptist Church. And I'm happy to be here with my wife. She was in the first service. She's not here right now, but uh, she's somewhere in the building. Um, and know that, that uh, we, we think highly of Treasuring Christ Church. And, and we pray for you and for your elders, for, for Gladman and for Hunter and for Travis and for Sean. And, and we, we pray and, and uh, just entrust you to Christ uh, who, who promises, uh, look, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her and just pray for the advance of the gospel and, the, and your growth in grace and knowledge of God and impacting this city and the world through you. 
we're just, uh, we're, we're all for you. I love, I love saying, this is an echo of what God says to us, uh, that if God is for us, who can be against us? We're for you, and we're not against you. We're just praying with you and laboring with you in, in the journey. So uh, it's good to be here, and it's honestly good that it's summer here uh, compared to Minneapolis. Uh, check the temperature. It's uh, the wind chill, honest, okay, honest, negative 35 this morning, wind chill, and, uh, and the snow in my backyard. I see some boots around here. You don't know what boots do. You know, <laughs> boots help. You know, the snow in my backyard literally is here, and then it drifts even higher. So, okay, that's where I'm coming from, and that's why I'm glad it's summer here. <laughs> Might not feel like it to you, but it is to me. Uh, let me read the, the text. Uh, 1 John 5. 14 and 15, and let me just clue you in. Sean did this already. This is a topical sermon. This is not an exegetical sermon in the sense that, that I'm just looking at one passage and trying to pull out the full meaning there, but I'm, I'm taking a theme, and I'm tracing it through the whole Bible, and it's not probably what you normally do, but there's value in it from time to time, and so um, the, the theme is the glory of God in listening, 1 John 5, 14, says this, uh, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Uh, I did ask that the, a second verse be added uh, that I think you have before you. It's Psalm 4.3, and if you just want to key in, like, so what would be a, a verse that would summarize really the whole message here? It would be the second half of, of Psalm 4.3. I'll just read that second half. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now, that concept takes my breath away. The Lord hears when I call to him. The God who made the world and everything in it hears me. God who rules the universe by his word, by the word of his power, hears us. The God who sovereignly knows when every, any bird falls out of a tree and numbers the hairs of our head, hears us. Uh, the God who is infinitely happy and rich in relationship between in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, hears us. God, the creator, the all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging, eternal God, hears us. And even when, when the words aren't so clear, like they come out as groans, right? We're told, yeah, the Holy Spirit interprets that. And prays for us. And the Lord hears us. Now, I do want to put out a disclaimer that, that a focus for another time, and maybe for almost all the rest of the time that we meet, is on the fact that God speaks. And we ought to listen to him. I mean, that's why we do pulpits in the middle of sanctuaries, and we hear Bibles, and we open them up. That's how we're saved. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We listen to him, and we're saved. 
And we spend the rest of our lives growing in grace and knowledge of him, reading and heeding his word and living by faith in his promises. And all that is true and wonderful. And, and I'm not trying to take away anything from that. We're Bible people and we want to be that way. And one of the things I want to stress here is one of the things the Bible says is he listens to us. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, let's think about that. So... The fact that God hears our prayers ought to radically change your relationship with God and ought to radically change your relationships with other people. And toward that end, let me pray. Father in heaven, you have spoken to us in your son through the gospel and we have heard and we believe and And everything has changed. You've given us the gift of faith. And and we have been reconciled to you. Our sins forgiven. Christ has risen from the dead. And and we, we live in this beautiful reality of relationship with you. In which not only do we hear your word and and our change. But also you hear us when we speak. So help us to, to get a handle on this. I pray that we would marvel at your glory in listening and be changed accordingly, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I'll give you the outline, three big points. Uh, The first point is really simple, God hears, (laughs) God hears us. Second point is an implication on that, how that shapes our relationship with God. And the third point is an implication as well, uh, how the fact that God hears us uh, impacts our relationship with others. So pretty simple outline. Uh, tons of verses. I told uh, Sean that, that I could send him the manuscript so it might free you if you're trying to jot down verses because I really am going all over the place. So uh, hang on to your Bibles and go with me. Uh, let's see here. Uh, point number one, God hears us. Uh, within the Trinity, I infer that the triune persons of God have always heard and understood each other. A couple of verses. The Bible says, the spirit comprehends the thoughts of God. 1 Corinthians 2.11. Jesus says, at, uh, at the death of Lazarus, at the death of Lazarus, he prays and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. John 11. 42. So God always hearing, always understanding in the Trinity. Then think about the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, God heard his people and he didn't hear those who were not his people. Um, He turned his ear toward his covenant people and away from evildoers. It's quoted in 1 Peter 3.12. It's it's pulling from Psalm 34.15. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So that's old covenant. And then then go to the new covenant. As Christ is dying for our sins, the Father heard his loud cries. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. And in his death, the new covenant is established. And get this. In order that all who call upon the Lord will be saved, heard. That's new covenant. 
So marvel at the fact that when you were an enemy of God, a Gentile, I assume most of us, a pagan, an unbeliever, and you heard the gospel, and God gave you faith, and you called out, Lord, save me. He heard you. So one of my thoughts is, uh, one of the earliest lessons of a new believer is to realize that God hears our prayers. It's like, oh, he heard me, and he, he answered, and he saved me, and he assured me of his forgiveness and his love for me in Christ, and he has reconciled me. It ought to take our breath away. And now, by the death of Christ, we know, we've been taught by Jesus that God is our Heavenly Father. And we know that He hears us. And, and, and not, He doesn't hear us like we're His counselor. We're not His counselor. <laughs> he hears us like we're His children. And He's our Father. And He is so inclined to hear us. The Spirit works within us, the Abba Father. We have all the assurances that He hears us as a Father from Jesus. And, uh, and so in our anxieties, we know this and we're taught this. God hears us. Psalm 18, 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry reached his ears. I, I love the, the time of day talk in the Bible. In the morning, God hears us. Oh, Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. Psalm 5, 3. And then in the evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. And he hears my voice. Psalm 55, 17. What I didn't cite is that in the night, I cry to the Lord. In the middle of the night. And you know what? He hears us. Uh, in our suffering, God hears us. This is a psalm I pray automatically over people that come to me, to us for elder prayer after the service or when the elders gather and lay hands on someone who's requesting prayer. Psalm 10, 17. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It's a reality. It's a promise. God hears us in our suffering. In our need, he hears us. Psalm 17, 6. I call upon you for you will answer me. And when, and when our experience of suffering pushes us to despair and to doubt, we have the testimony of the, the saints in the scriptures and the saints through the ages that God hears us and helps us you two from the Psalms. Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried to the Lord and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. It's testimony. Psalm 118, 5. Out of my distress I called to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. Now, it would make an interesting study, and I haven't done this, and I, uh, maybe you'll do it and you'll send me your results. Just to look at all the conversations that Jesus had with people in the Gospels. And my memory is he never, not hears. Is that, he, 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 he always listens. Sometimes the conversation starts with, with somebody coming to him with a question, and he engages. 
Sometimes he comes up to somebody else with a question and then the conversation. But I don't think anybody runs up to Jesus, 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 and he goes, <laughs> I don't think it happens. I mean, even the little children, you know, they're coming up, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> He's paying attention to them, and the disciples say, ah, and Jesus says, no, I'm going to pay attention to them. It's, it's a beautiful and a glorious thing that God hears us. He's attentive to us. He turns his ear toward us and not his face away. That's why John says, this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked from him. That's point number one. God hears us. Point number two, implications of our being heard by God. Now, this is, I'm, I'm thinking about, so how, knowing that God hears us, how does that shape our relationship with him? You know, it's not just a dead fact, but it shapes our relationship with him. Uh, I fixed my numbering in the previous service. I got all messed up in my numbering. I had like three number threes. So I'm going to do the numbering and I'm going to get it right this time. So number one, uh, knowing that God hears us gives us cause to love God. Psalm 116.1 I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. That he hears us is reason to love him. Number two, knowing that God hears us is, is reason to pray, reason to hope in him. Uh, Psalm 116.2, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. He listens to me, I'm going to call upon him. And then I, I have to add to that, uh, Psalm 50.15 and mainly, this one just screams out to me in my mind, and maybe you'll remember it too, because Charles Spurgeon calls this Robinson Crusoe's verse. You know, Robinson Crusoe, stuck on a desert island. So uh, Spurgeon comes across Psalm 50, 15, and labels this. This is Robinson Crusoe's verse. Uh, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. <laughs> Number three. Knowing that God hears us reminds us that, that God knows us. And I get this from Jesus' long passage and teaching on prayer in Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. But do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. And remember, the context says, Ask. It's not, well, he knows what you need, don't ask. That's not the point. He knows what you need, ask him. Number four, knowing that God hears us reminds us that God cares. Casting all our cares on him, why? Because he cares for us. Number five, knowing that God hears us reminds us that we are supported and not abandoned Psalm 34, 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. This is what I quoted before. Near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So when, when you pray, it's a reminder that God is near you. He, you're not abandoned in your plight. 
one unforgettable scene from the autobiography of John Patton, uh, the great 18th century missionary to the New Hebrides Islands down in the South Pacific. Um, he writes the autobiography in his old age, and I imagine him, I think he's Scottish, you know, in his little Scottish home with a sweater on and the fire crackling. And, and you know, he's in his, I don't know how long he lived, let's say he's in his 80s, and he's just reflecting on, on, on what God did in this missionary work. So it has this really... I don't know, tender fatherly tone, grandfatherly tone as he writes this. Uh, and, and just another thing about the autobiography of John Patton. Um, it, it, it kind of, his life is kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it's, it's like there's just stuff happening. Or the book of Mark. So the book of Mark is, you know, there's healings and stuff happening all the time on every page. That's kind of how his life was. So here, here he's reflecting. And he, he says, you know, one time I climbed into a tree and was left there alone in the bush, in the jungle. The hours I spent there live all before me as if it were but yesterday. I hear the frequent discharging of muskets and the yells of the savages. They, they're coming to kill him. I mean, he's been shot at before and the gun jammed and stuff like that, but... And the yells of the savages. And yet I sat there among the branches as safe in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly in my soul than when the moonlight flickered among those chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I told all my heart to Jesus. There it is. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me or speak more soothingly to my soul than when the moonlight was flickering as I climbed the tree, terrified that they were going to kill me, and my brow was throbbing, and the comfort came as I told all my heart to Jesus. Alone, yet not alone. If it be to to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree, to feel again my Savior's spiritual presence, and to enjoy his consoling fellowship. Point number five is knowing that God hears us reminds us that we are supported and not abandoned even when we're terrified in a tree in the middle of the jungle with muskets going off coming after us. Number six, knowing that God hears us causes us to expect an answer. He, he listens to us, again, as a father. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. Or which of you, if he has a son... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Knowing that God hears us causes us to anticipate 
his fatherly answer. He will give good gifts to his children who ask. And number seven, knowing that God hears us, assures us that even when we do not get the answer that we expect, he has heard us. And he's not given us a scorpion or a rock. (laughs) He's given us something better. Where do I see this? Paul says, three times I prayed that this thorn in the flesh would be removed from me. And it wasn't. Does that mean God didn't hear? No, no, no. No, no, no. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But Christ said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul got an answer to his prayer. And it was not what he asked for, He asked for the thorn to go away, and instead, he got more of Jesus. It's an answer. To endure the suffering, to to enjoy the fellowship with Christ, and be carried on. Beautiful implications of the reality that God hears us. It it changes our relationship with him. We have a God who is near in his awesome, almighty, sovereign uh, omnipotence. He hears us. Third heading is uh, implications on uh, uh, drawn from the fact that God hears us on how we listen to one another. You know, I'm pretty certain that while some of you have the gift of listening, most of us do not. (laughs) And your laughter confirms it. (laughs) You know, rather than listening when others speak, the the constant temptation, especially more and more with with technology, is uh, that when somebody's talking, we're often thinking about what we're going to say next, especially if it's a discussion argument thing. Uh, we're checking our phones, you know, we're ding, we're checking that text message that just came in. We're checking out in a thousand ways. <laughs> think, about the, think about the sports bar restaurant thing, you know, like, like what, uh, do you have Buffalo Wild Wings here with like a thousand TVs? <laughs> it's like, first time we went there, I could not believe it. I thought I'd have a, a, a seizure or something. Uh, it's just like, you know, what were you saying? You know, there was just a touchdown over here and a hockey goal over here and the news is bad in the middle. Um, so uh, most of us need help, work on listening. And, and yet, you know, there's an inseparable connection between listening to someone and love. Inseparable. And you know this, that, When other people listen to you, you feel loved. When people don't listen to you, you don't feel loved. You don't feel honored. You feel disrespected. I mean, we know this. We know this with friends. We know this with spouses. And when when listening doesn't happen, love is strained and conflict is inevitable. It's true in every relationship. And, and 
though the command to listen to one another cannot be found in the Bible, I believe it's implicit in the command to love one another and clearly reflective of the glory of God. I already did the glimpse at the glory of God. So think about it now. Think about it how it works relationally. We're called to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Since God as our Father carefully and tenderly listens to us, what does it mean to be an imitator of God as dearly beloved children? And so reflect the glory of God. Uh, we're called to be imitators. Or I did that. We're called to, be, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How will you know someone else's burden? If you don't listen to them when they tell you. Or even probe. You know like draw them out. I encourage listening by saying. Well, tell me more about that. You seem down today. You seem burdened. We're called to love one another with brotherly affection. And isn't it true that we listen to those. For whom we have affection. And show honor to them in that way. We're called to. To sympathy in Christ for one another in Philippians 2. Well, how is it even possible to have sympathy for somebody if you, don't, if you haven't heard their story? We're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep, Romans 12, 15. Again, how do I rejoice with you if, if I'm not listening to your happiness? And how do I weep with you if I'm not listening to your sorrow? We're called to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we may be healed, James 5, 16. Uh, to confess our sins to one another implies that we're listening. We're lis as you confess your sins, I'm listening. As I confess my sins, you're listening. And we pray for one another for God's healing and grace and assurance of his forgiveness. It doesn't happen like this. We're called to love one another as I have loved you. This is the new commandment. You know, this is the new commandment, different from the old covenant, different from the you never find this in the old old testament. It's love your neighbor, it's it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is still the great commandment in the New Testament. And then Jesus comes in all over the New Testament. Here's a new commandment. What makes it new? As I have loved you love each other. Love one another. As, as That's what's new. It's to be like Jesus. So Christ laid down his life for us. And, you know, I think about it. I have never died for anyone. How am I doing in, in this, this? And yet, most often, the expressions of humble, self-denying love don't actually involve literally dying for each other. It might, but most often it does not. More often, the call to love looks like the description, or the call to die looks like the description in Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Die to your interests in the sense you're not going to only look there, but you're going to look at the interests of others. And I'm telling you, you are not going to know the interests of others unless you listen to people. you got to hear from people in order to love them. I do believe that when it comes to loving other people or summarizing the biblical teaching on on uh, listening in relation to love, I, th I think Jesus would approve of this paraphrase. I know he'd say, yeah, you're not right in scripture, but I like that. I think, I think he'd say that. Here, here's my summary. Listen to one another as you would have them listen to you. I think Jesus would say, yeah, that, that's an application of love one another as, as you would have them love you. Well, I believe that as our lives and our churches are shaped by this aspect of the glory of God, that he listens to us and it shapes our relationship with him and it shapes our relationship with one another, that it's going to have effects in, in, our, in, our, in our church life. Uh, one, one of the burdens that I have is that, that the ethos in our churches that the, the culture in our churches, that the, the sense of community that we have would accord with the gospel, would accord with our relationship with God in Christ such that people might come in and from what they see in our community, they would infer what God is like and they'd be right. So let me just apply it here. It's like, so... Because of the way we respect and, and listen to one another and, and pray for one another and, and, and support each other in those ways, I'm, I'm hoping that someone might come in and say, you know, you, you really love me by knowing me and paying attention. Does God, does God care about me that way? That, well, yeah. Yeah, he does. In fact, he's really what... He's who created all this loving and listening that you're watching. And come on in. Come on in. What, what, I, what I'm kicking against is that the, our culture, our ethos in our church, and our churches, my church, your church, the churches that we connect with, would be such as to deny that. Don't want to be that kind of, I don't want to be a kind of leader who doesn't listen. Don't want to have a church of people who don't listen, but just talk, 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 like, like, you know, TV, you know, you know the news shows. Yeah, just, yeah, just words coming at you all the time. Uh, no, no, no. Want to be a people who listen and so reflect the glory of God and, and so love people accordingly as we've been loved. So what kind of implications do I foresee? Uh, I'll just name some. Uh, I, I think we would be people who not only talk, but also lovingly listen well. And, and I, I think about leaders in particular, from, uh, from nursery leaders to Sunday school teachers to, to deacons to, uh, to pastors, elders, uh, small group leaders. Uh, we, 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 if, if you have any kind of leadership, it often involves talking. You know, like we we, we kind of get used to talking, and here I am talking, you know, talking about it. 
Um, and, 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 you know, pastors are professional talkers. Other people in their vocations are professional talkers. And, and, uh, and, you know, that's good when it works the way God intends. God's given us something to say from his word, uh, a word of encouragement in the body, and you speak it, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's great. And, and uh, you know, we've been given grace to speak. Well, please, let's speak, and, and, and may there be a hearing. But uh, nobody can talk all the time. Nobody can talk all the time. Uh, and, and think about it. If at a gathering like this, you know, we dismissed after church, and, uh, and the application was, you know, um, um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as we speak and as we teach and admonish one another. You know, go, go encourage one another. Speak grace to each other. And if everybody's went on, talk, 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 It's like, what would be accomplished? Nothing. But the body is this, this beautiful interplay of speaking grace and listening and speaking and listening and uh, it is reflective of the glory of God. Here's another one. Our church ethos and culture, this is just a drawing on the first point, would be reflective of what Bonhoeffer calls the ministry of listening. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had this experience of, because of persecution, gathering somewhere out of the city with a a bunch of uh, seminary students and they had this intense Christian community, Christian community for a couple of years. And so he wrote this little book called The Life Together. It's a great little book. And on about a page and a half, he talks about the ministry of listening. And I read it a long time ago. I don't even want to tell you how long I, I read it, how long ago I read it, because you'll know I'm old. Uh, it was like 40 years ago I read it. And it stuck with me. Ministry of listening. 1977, however many years ago that is. Um, here's what he writes. He says, the, the first service one owes to others in the Christian community involves listening to them. Just as our love for God begins with listening to God's word, the beginning of love for other Christians is learning to listen to them. God's love for us is shown by the fact that God not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. We do God's work for our brothers and sisters when we learn to listen to them. Lord, make it so. What about our evangelism? You know, I think the implication on our evangelism is that our evangelism efforts would, would be marked not merely, not, not only by talking, I want them to be marked by talking. I often pray, Lord, give us words. But by listening as well. Uh, I'll go to Bonhoeffer and then I'll reflect on Jesus. Bonhoeffer says, Many people seek a sympathetic ear and do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking even when they should be listening. The, 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 the observation about Jesus when he, when he evangelizes, when he proclaims himself, when he proclaims the gospel, he never does it the same way twice. I mean, and I'm, I'm all for gospel summaries. Um, different, there's different summaries out there. And that's all fine. But may that not be the sum total of our 
words of evangelism because what Jesus does over and over is overwhelming is he interacts with a person, understands who they are, and then he speaks of who he is and the gospel in accord with who they are and what he's heard. So a woman at the well, he says, oh, uh, I have living water. Hungry people, I'm the bread of life. Lazarus is dead. I'm the resurrection and the life. I mean, it's, it's all over. He is he's changing metaphors and images constantly to, so that when he speaks to them, he does so in accord with who they are and what's going on in their life. He's listened to them uh, by their words and by his supernatural understanding of who they are. So Lord, may, may our evangelism involve careful listening and true and careful words of gospel and of hope designed to, to do the miraculous thing that only God can do. Another implication. May our discipleship and biblical counseling involve not just talking, but listening. Bonhoeffer. For Christians, pastoral care differs essentially from preaching in that here the task of listening is joined to the task of speaking the word. And it is certain that here too, in our attitude toward other Christians, we simply see reflected our own relationship to God. Um, I'll read one more quote. The, the so helpful biblical counselor, David Pollison. Um, I hope your church is in touch. I think you are with what's going on at, at CCEF and through David Pollison and Ed Welsh and, um, and Paul Tripp. Just wonderful gospel grounded help in counseling. Uh, so David Pollison says this, I have heard far too many Christians say that secular therapists heard them better than Christian friends, biblical counselors, and pastors did. May it not be. Just may it not be. We, may we excel in loving people who are hurting and broken most by listening better than a paid counselor. Come on. What about progress in racial harmony? Oh, oh the grace, oh the, the blessing, oh the love, oh the coming together that is experienced when people of different ethnicities, people of different racial backgrounds, people of different experience get together and share their stories and are heard. There, there's always much more to every one of us than meets the eye. I remember, I can just give you a little glimpse. I remember uh, asking one of our elders, he's, he's, uh, he's Japanese-American, he's mixed race. He's, he's half Japanese and half, no, uh, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, he's Japanese, let's say he's Japanese. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's Japanese. We invited him to just share at a Saturday morning thing. Tell us the, the story of your family during World War II. I mean, he, he would never be talking about this had we not asked him. 
And he said, well, my, my family was in California, and they were gathered up and put in internment camps, and uh, we never heard that. If we didn't poke on him to, to ask, tell us, he's like, tell us what's under the hood, or tell us what's in the, in the trunk that you're carrying around all the time. And he felt heard, and he felt loved, and he felt understood, and moving together. And the, the stories, and I mean, that's just basic love, but the stories, in, when you put love under the subheading of racial harmony, you know, may God give us much grace in listening to one another and hearing our different stories. Yeah. We carry a lot that we don't even talk about unless we have occasion. Lastly, our effectiveness as small group leaders and Sunday school teachers, Bible teachers, preachers will be much more affected, much more effective as we listen to those to whom we speak. We'll know where they're coming from. And the Lord, by the grace of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the word, will give us something to say that meets their well, I, that, that's my burden, that uh, God would be glorified as the God who listens, as we are blown away at his glory, as we experience his love for us in Christ, by hearing us, hearing our prayers, and the communion that we have with him and the ups and downs of life, and that he would also be glorified and reflected in, in how we love one another by listening to one another. It's my hope and our prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, make it so for the glory of your name. This is, this is for our good. This is for our joy that more and more we would be aware of your grace to us in listening to our prayers and hearing our prayers and your nearness in our sufferings and our communion with you. And it is also for our joy and for our good and for our benefit that we so Likewise, love one another by being a people who love one another by listening to, to one another, by listening to our neighbors, even in the evangelistic conversations. May we love well and listen well and speak wisely words of truth and gospel power, just as Jesus did. So help us. Thanks for treasuring Christ's church and what a, what a great church this is. We pray your continued blessing on each one of our each one of our uh, each one of the people here each one of the members and and friends of Treasuring Christ Church in Jesus name amen